Kansas anymore. Are you ready? No, I'm just getting warmed up. This task was appointed to you. I said I want the truth! I say we take off and loop the entire site from Hello and a very warm welcome to the BBFC's Youth Panel Podcast Takeover. I'm Michael and today I'm joined by Reese, Aaron, Lewis, Mercy, William and Lucy. First of all, to tell you a bit about who you're listening to, we are a group of 16 to 19 year olds and we've been lending our perspective to age racing decisions since early 2021. Meeting in the BBFC's London HQ, we've explored issues such as how mental health is represented on screen and how age ratings can help us to navigate online content. Today I'm joined by our presenters, but we've been taking over all elements of this podcast, such as scripting, editing and promotion. So to everyone else who has been involved, a very, very well done. As we were discussing what we should talk about for this podcast, we found that although we're from all over the United Kingdom, we watched many of the same films released as we grew up. And what's more, we were haunted by many of the same moments in these films. So today we'll be looking at the times when children's films that we had in the noughties slipped into pure nightmare fuel. All the films that we're looking at today have U and PG certificates, but were also targeted by filmmakers at a younger audience. First of all, Toy Story 3, released as the third part of an already hugely popular family franchise. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone was trumpeted as the first film adapted from a hugely popular children's book series, whilst Coraline, another adaptation, was billed as a child-friendly foray into horror, and certainly delivered, I think we can all agree there. Are we glad for the thrills and chills we got from these movies? Are the scenes we're looking at signs of filmmakers really thinking creatively about the limits of what they can show at younger age categories? Or was it really too soon for face-melting curses and snow-snatching monsters? It's time to face our fears and dig in. Okay, so Toy Story 3 is an animated comedy adventure from 2010, which has sort of won a place now in the hearts of film buffs and family audiences alike. The film is rated U for mild violence and scary scenes. Pixar's audience can range from the very young to very old, as the films can be enjoyed by all ages. However, the majority of Toy Story's audience is children and families. So I think that one of the good things about Pixar films is that they often try to explore something a little bit deeper than maybe just the adventure that you have on the surface of the film. And even within the U certificate that this film is rated at, Toy Story 3 looks at the character Andy, who's been there through all of the films, leaving home. And that's something that is maybe part of the story that connects more with older audiences. In that way, it's sort of a film that you can grow up with quite well because whilst when you're younger and when we were watching this film it means something much more about you know this toys adventure and sticking together and the idea of teamwork certainly now when I've been to university it's gained a lot more pertinence in the sense of the characters Andy having to say goodbye to his old life and his toys and having to let go and move into the grown-up world. So obviously Toy Story is part of an iconic family-friendly franchise for Disney and Pixar. So it's kind of out of left field that the film's considered quite scary. What parts of the movie do you remember distinctly being scary? To me, uh, one of the really scary parts was when Lotso in Toy Story 3, the hugging bear, suddenly snapped and turned evil. I think it was a scene inside the vending machine where they're having like some meeting or consultation with the bad toys. 
they all consulted and turned on Buzz Lightyear. And that scene to me, the whole cinematography and everything was just really dark. It's almost like a torture scene, that bit, where the way where they get it does down and then they're doing the demo bit of it. I was like, this is this is like watching some hardcore film. I think it's because I just all kind of like accept their deaths and just hold, hold each other's hands and just, I think it's the combination of the music and the colours and the inevitability of the situation there in, in that furnace uh, garbage sequence. But there are other things in Toy Story 3 that I've kind of like pointed out and thought, that could be terrifying if you think about it as, as a concept. I remember in the opening scenes where the toys go through this imaginary action sequence and you get this uh, death by monkey sequence. You get like a bunch of monkeys like surrounding, you get all the characters, help me, help me. And you get like a, bu- a bunch of the monkeys like swarming the other characters. And the, I'm pretty sure the audience can gather that it's fiction. And even to the story, it's fiction and it's a child's imagination imagining the situation, but it's still a terrifying moment. I've picked out moments of bleak and realistic outcomes. The, the characters thinking that they will be thrown away and they're nothing but trash. Pixar is very known for its sad and bleak moments, isn't it? And making their audiences weep. I think it's great with Pixar because you can really see yourself in the characters and it's so magical how you can see yourself as the toys. You know, you, you compare yourself to a CGI character and that's that's amazing to think that we can we can relate to computer graphics. Especially since they're not all humans within like the variety of Pixar films. You've got like emotions, monsters, cars, everything. So with that all in mind, do we agree with the Adrian of the movie as a you? Yeah, I think a you, just for everyone, it's universal, which means everyone can watch it. I do think that's really appropriate. You know, it's, a, it's a lovely story which, which follows characters through up and down moments, but essentially there's no sustained tension through the mild violence and it resolves in a really beautiful way. And I think it's just a mm. lovely film for everyone to enjoy as a family i i would say though that the bbfc should have considered an 18 for the toy story 3 because of that monkey (laughs) i think we can wear a few nightmares and uh, still live to tell the tale (laughs) (laughs) while i do agree that it is certainly for a family audience it's very intense for you in my opinion while of course young kids could still watch it, maybe a PG would have maybe suited it better. It may have given parents who are about to go in and take their young kids to the cinema to see this film. It's big, it's loud on the big screen. There were 3D uplifts available for it. Maybe with a PG have maybe prepped the parents a little bit more that while this is the same kind of adventure you're normally used to, it's a little bit higher than what the previous instalments have been. But I mean, Toy Story 3 and the Toy Story franchise as a whole is, has been so prevalent amongst our generation. What is it you think that's given it such longevity? What's the best thing about Toy Story for you guys? It's great because it's kind of a bit of a prison break film. There's a, there's a sense of that in there, which I think is fantastic. It sort of takes this franchise which hasn't really done the stuff and kind of puts it in a genre setting because you've got the sunny side daycare which is suddenly this prison with this figure of Lotso Hugging Bear who you know isn't what he seems and I, it's just fantastic oh and the scene with <laughs> with Barbie and Ken it's no it's wonderful it's really really brilliant and just yeah Barbie and Ken in um Barbie no Ken's boutique it is and Barbie with Ken's clothes is um a sight to behold Rewatching it now you can see yourself in all the different characters I definitely think Toy Story 3 is a film 
that was more impactful for the adults in the audience of that film, kind of the messaging of leaving your childhood behind and kind of moving on into your future isn't really something that you think about as a child or you think of it really short-term, really small-scale, like I'm leaving year four and I'm moving to year five. It's like, no, when you grow up, you're going to realise this is a real thing and you are going to have to leave certain things behind. Yeah, cue all the children saying, why are you crying, Dad? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I mentioned it's a film that grows up with you because of the storyline about Andy going to university. But I think also because I'm interested more in animation now, I think the animation is just beautiful. I mean, Pixar always has has really visually spectacular films. So uh, we've also thought of some other films that you might be interested in if you particularly enjoyed Toy Story 3. We were thinking of Chicken Run, lots of teamwork in that. And the Muppets movies kind of felt characters a bit toy-like. Small Soldiers, I think that was one of the, the grown-up leaders when we hadn't really heard of that. Um, <laughs> But, you know, got to throw them a bone. Night at the Museum, which is really fun. Scooby-Doo Monsters Unleashed, which I haven't seen, but somebody suggested that. The Lego Movie, another kind of more modern Toy Story. Lots of great references and things in that. And also, I think this is from the yeah same studio, The Mitchells versus the Machines, which is all about modern tech and kind of those as toys. And Trolls, which was the DreamWorks kind of candy-coloured musical with the Trolls toys. And moving from one very successful franchise to the next, uh, we've got Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone to discuss. So the film is a 2001 fantasy film directed by Chris Columbus and of course based on J.K. Rowling's 1997 novel of the same name. It's classified PG for mild threat, violence and language. The film follows a young boy called Harry Potter whose life changes when he gets an invitation to study at Hogwarts, a famous school for witchcraft and wizardry. Now, the Harry Potter films used to run practically every week. I think they still do, really, um, on ITV. Uh, So I I did manage to see them in order. I don't actually remember being too afraid of the first few. It was when Voldemort really came into his own um, that I remember losing my confidence as such. In fact, the first time I remember crying at a film, I think it was A Goblet of Fire now, was when Voldemort gets his hands on a character played by an actor who may not have gone on, may or may not have gone on to play Batman in the future no spoilers there So what were your guys first introduction to the Harry Potter films? Did knowing anything about the characters from the books perhaps reduce some of your anxiety when preparing to watch the films? I remember ITV used to run the Harry Potter series every year throughout October for Halloween and I had just gotten the first book as a present for my 8th birthday earlier in the year but this was the first time that I was watching the films and my parents knew that I loved the book and it was rated a PG so they let me watch it but on the condition that my brother watched it with me. He had already seen the films so he pretty much knew what I was in for especially as I was a really skittish child. So he teased me, I remember he said like it was too scary for you, don't start crying etc. Therefore like I was determined to get through it. I was going strong until this one specific scene near the end where Professor Quirrell unwrapped his turban and Voldemort's face was on his scalp. I was terrified. I remember I audibly yelped. I remember closing my eyes and clinging onto the blanket. But like when I peeked up, I just made eye contact with my brother and he definitely saw. I tried playing it off, saying that I fell asleep and the sound startled me, but he just wasn't buying it. Safe to say I haven't lived that one down. I had to finish the Harry Potter series next year. 
I watched the films first and I watched the first one a bit of it and I couldn't watch anymore when I was younger so we turned it off and then the second time we tried to watch it was a few years later but then I think managed to get through them all eventually when I was about 12 or 13 but it took a couple of goes because I still was really scared by it I don't I didn't like horror films scary films when I was younger and I'm still not the biggest fan now but I've got there eventually I, I do like them now so to me it was one of those films that you'd always see on at Christmas and I'd watch probably about half an hour of it before I get whisked off to Christmas dinner but I <laughs> I, I was more apprehensive to actually watch them I didn't think I'd enjoy them by the point I got introduced to them it was all late films were out so I was scared to get into it because it's such commitment but no I finally ended up watching them all probably about five years ago for the first time and absolutely loved them well I'm about to break everyone's hearts <laughs> Harry Potter being such like a memorable uh I assume nostalgic for everyone. Yeah. Childhood movie. I wasn't introduced to Harry Potter until very recently, within the past year. So I went on a movie marathon and watched the the eight films when my cousin gave me the the DVD box set of the movies. So I power watched through all of them, and and I thought to myself, I would have really enjoyed this when I was little. It's something I would have absolutely ed up. I would I would have totally dig these uh, sort of movies like like when I was that age. But I didn't, I kind of laid it off for that long. I've always been familiar with Harry Potter and what he is and what the books are and the, and the actors behind the film and the directors and the, uh, and the author. I've been familiar with Harry Potter from head to toe, but I never actually got around to seeing the films. Obviously, Harry Potter, it's a very popular family brand. Those are parents with their kids are going to be watching it. What are kind of the scary scenes in Harry Potter? What do parents, in your opinion, need to know before their kids watch it? So there are scenes of mild threat, including a scene where a boy falls into a snake pit and a scene in which three friends defeat a troll and another in which a character is chased through a spooky forest. Harry presses his hand on Voldemort's head and it starts to burn, causing his body to disintegrate. There's also a fantastical chess match where one of the main students is attacked with a sword. However, no blows make contact and the character emerges uninjured. It is suggested that a young boy doesn't have a particularly enjoyable home life, though, but none of these scenes are upsetting. Overall, who is your favourite Harry Potter character, would you say? Who do you relate to the most? Harry. Every World Book Day, it would always be a thing at school where someone would ask me, why are you not dressed up as Harry Potter? I used to wear glasses for computers and I had long hair like, like Harry Potter, so it used to be the ongoing World Book Day joke. I think my favourite Harry Potter character is... I think it's either like Remus Lupin because I loved all of like the defense against the dark arts teachers, but also Sirius Black. I loved him as well. He did scare me because he was a wolf, like he could turn into a wolf and that, that scared me a bit. But yeah, I think those two were my favorite. And the question we have to ask every Harry Potter fan, what is your favorite Harry Potter film? As controversial as this one is, I would have to say Order of the Phoenix. I think like... Goblet of Fire, that's the most expected one. But Order of the Phoenix was kind of like when Harry like finally took charge. They, you know, they all banded together. They all came together like for Dumbledore. Especially, I think that's the movie with Umbridge in it. So, yeah, I think seeing like a villain that was so stereotypically sweet and like feminine, that was interesting to watch, but also harrowing. I feel that I should probably say what my favourite is. And other than Order of the Phoenix, which I really love... But Mercy's already said it, so I want to say something different. I also love Prisoner of Azkaban. 
It's so well shot. It's so spooky. It's so atmospheric. It really feels a level above everything else we get in that franchise from the way it's shot, from the costume, from the use of music. So for any parents who may want to ease their children into magical realist films, here are a few PG-rated films and 12As that you can enjoy together before diving into the Harry Potter series. There's The Spiderwick Chronicles, which was a personal favourite of mine, Bridge to Terabithia, Ella Enchanted, Witches or The New Witches, which the remake's actually a PG, but the original's a 12A. There's Enchanted, The Chronicles of Narnia, which I feel like everyone's seen, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, Stardust, My Neighbour Totoro, and Halloween Town. For any adults still harbouring an obsession with all things magical, here are some films that you may enjoy. Pan's Labyrinth, The Hobbit Trilogy, Shape of Water, Beautiful Creatures, Practical Magic, Now You See Me, one of my favourite films, Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, and The Craft, which is a cult classic. So um, we've made a special place for some quickfire trivia for Harry Potter. First question... What was Harry's Patronus? And for a bonus point, what was his parents? I think I I know. Yeah, shoot, uh, go. Uh, I think it was a stag. Bonus point? Oh, the bonus point. Um, well, his dad was a stag too. Yeah. I, his mum, I'm not entirely sure. It makes a lot of like logical sense if you think about it, if his dad's a stag. A doe? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, correct. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, who was the third defence against the dark arts professor? Remus Lupin. And correct, yes. Um, what was the colour of Harry's dragon in the Goblet of Fire? And bonus points for the name, as in the species, like... This one's tough. <laughs> Red. No, it wasn't, it wasn't. Should I say it or do you want to keep your saying? Um, I mean, I'm just going to name another colour. <laughs> It was a it was a purple dragon. It was not a purple oh. dragon. Okay, it was it was a golden dragon and oh, okay. it was I think a Hungarian horntail. Yeah. <laughs> what was the name of the sport that Harry played at Hogwarts? And bonus points for his position and if you know how he caught the golden snitch. He played Quidditch, he was a seeker and he caught it. He caught it in his mouth, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Okay, guys, I think Lewis wins that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, as Lewis won the quickfire trivia, I think that he can introduce us to Coraline. So Coraline is a family-friendly scary story from director Henry Selick, also known from the movie The Nightmare Before Christmas. The movie follows Coraline, a feisty young girl whose busy parents often leave her on her own. One day, whilst exploring her new house, she finds a door that takes her to another world, an alternate universe where she lives with her other mother and other father. These other parents seem perfect. They cook delicious food and lavish attention on their daughter. And yet, they are also slightly sinister with their button eyes and desire to keep Coraline with them. The film was released in 2009 and rated PG for mild threat, scary scenes and one use of mild language. Now, Coraline is often regarded as a horror film for kids. How do you think that affects parents and how should they prepare to watch this film with their kids? 
So Coraline is a PG, which means it's, it's you know, parental guidance is, is suitable for choosing whether their children should watch it or not. And I do think from looking at the, the marketing, it promotes you know, a very family-friendly film. But there are, there are signs of mild violence and kind of eerie narratives going on through the film. So it is one for parents to look out for and make sure that the marketing isn't misleading them into to things that they don't want their children seeing as there are some scenes of of intensity and some frightening moments. That is very true. The marketing of the film pitched it as family-friendly, and while that is certainly correct, it's a really dark film. But despite the abject scariness which is in the film, it also features a number of mitigating factors, elements which can lessen the intensity of the frightening scenes. There are moments of comedy and fun, performances with the dancing mice, the strange behaviour of the neighbours. It's very fantastical, and despite the fact there's such obvious horror elements and imagery, it's never quite that bad. It's definitely one to watch as a family over kids watching it alone, maybe as a perfect like Halloween watch around October. But despite the horror elements within the film, this isn't a violent film and they don't overstay their welcome. I think Coraline is a pretty good introduction to uh, little ones and younger audiences into the the concept of scary movies in general. I think parents can slowly introduce kids into movies with more uh, scary themes, with more wicked settings. With films like these, Coraline is like the perfect example because it's a film with tones and a... Uh, and themes and characters and concept that can really be considered uh, incredibly creepy. So as a, as a children's and a family movie, I think it's really good as it is. But I think as a good introduction to the concept of horror in general and the genre, I think uh, Coraline is, is a really nice place to start for younger audiences. I think perhaps... Don't watch it late at night with your kids, like before their bedtime, because I know if I'd watched that 10 years ago, I, I wouldn't have slept all night. <laughs> yes, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I think one of the really uh, brilliant things about Coraline is how it plays on the idea of comedy being very close to horror a lot of the time. And laughter is often associated with kind of nervousness and being a bit scared as well. And there's really like bits, as you're saying, with the mouse circus. It's still quite a creepy scene, but it's sort of got this bounciness that makes you think, oh, that's also quite funny. So I think it's, it's excellent and very clever for doing that. So do you think PG is appropriate for the film? I, I do believe PG is the appropriate uh, rating for the film. There are moments, again, of intensity, of some more scary themes. But again, those mitigating factors make those scenes much less frightening and more fun for children to watch. So parental guidance is, I think, really appropriate. Now, I actually never saw Coraline uh, as a young child. I studied it uh, at about 13 or 14 at school i was scared at the time but what was it that scared you guys as children i've not watched it as a child either I only watched it recently no uh, f- for me the thing that really scared me was towards the end of the film where you start to see the world crumble apart at the beginning of the film you have like the big theater show which suddenly uh, towards the end of the film all the dogs become bats that are hanging from the roof and the, the two really nice ladies who you know were the actors they're suddenly these really creepy skinny characters holding the key that Coraline needs so it's seeing that everything's not as it seems which really scared me 
recently watching it, the part where the parents are in the mirror and they write out help, that for some reason stuck with me. I don't know what it was, but something about parents being vulnerable really hits home. I think the sound design in that scene where they're kind of, they're rubbing on the uh, the window, like the foley they use for that is like really scratchy and, and eerie. So I agree with you there. Yeah. I was the kind of person who wasn't scared of this. I absolutely loved it. It was one of my favourite films. I thought it was brilliant. But I can't not say that it is incredibly scary as a film to look at. The threat of having buttons for eyes. The man who takes off his top hat and rats come out of his clothes. Or the other mother who, once she becomes the bell dam, becomes extremely thin and tall with spider-like mechanical fingers and legs. She, she's really menacing and extremely, extremely scary in both manner and speech. It's, it's quite a lot for a kid's film, and I can see that kids are scared of it. I think I'm probably the opposite. When I watched it for the first time, I didn't finish it much like Harry Potter. I think it took me three Halloweens to finish it. Not because I was like extremely scared, but because the first time I watched it, I said, yeah, this is not for me. And I don't know if it was like the tone of the film. It just felt not overwhelmingly dark, but just like very creepy and sinister. And that was like new for me. And also like the animation style, like it was quite like jumpy. It wasn't like anything that I had seen before. It didn't really flow. And that just added to the whole like atmosphere of the film itself. But watching it as I like I'm grown now and like looking back on it, I feel like you have a lot more appreciation for like even like the tiny little Easter eggs in the film. It's just so like meticulously and like perfectly made the double loops on the birthday cake that like foreshadow like something odious about to happen. There's like a real sense of care and like delicacy when it's made. And I think you can't not appreciate it. Since its release now almost 15 years ago, Coraline has almost become a cult classic amongst children entertainment films. Why do you think that is? I think the theme of being really young and moving house, which Coraline does, I think it's really exciting. And we see her beginning uh, endeavouring on a new adventure. And I think it reminds us as a child of when, when we would go out to a new park or, or something and, and, or find some, some secret den, something that's ours. I think that there's a lot of nostalgia that we can then relate our own circumstances to the film. I think it's because at the surface level, it functions as a family movie but it also has more mature elements it it pushes the envelope in advancements of stop motion animation it's an absolutely stunning picture that is both haunting but incredibly trippy to look at especially in these sequences that are set within the other world because they built it all it was all practical over 130 sets were built across 52 different stages at the studios spanning 183,000 square feet. The 52 different stages turned out to be the most ever deployed for a stop-motion animated feature. It's absolutely impeccable and it it wouldn't be made like this today. Initially, the film was actually going to be live action. Uh, The quota fanning was meant to physically portray the role of Coraline. Do you guys think that the stop-motion animation style is a factor that impacted to the creepiness of the film and the certification of it as a whole? Oh, absolutely. The, the animation gives it this creepy and haunting feel, but it also allows for the world-building to be flawlessly executed so that every minor detail in the other world can be full of wonder, something that couldn't have been carried across into live action. They're able to build the sets exactly as they liked it, 
from the jumpers, from the floorboards to all of it. And it gives them the ability to create this quirky sense of horror, but also elements of comedy. And I I truly believe the format of animation was the best way for this journey to be created. If you're looking for another kind of creepy stop-motion adventure, you've got stuff like Corpse Bride, which is a Tim Burton film, but also Paranorman, which is from Lanka, who also did Coraline. But you've also got films like The Witches, the Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland adaptation. There's quite a lot of really quirky cinema that you can enjoy if you liked this film. Now, just to wrap up, um, I was thinking, what's the most memorable children's film or memorable moment in a children's film? that really scared you when you are younger, that stuck with you to this day? Two films for me. Jurassic Park, watching that. The bit with the, the when they have the claw, I can't remember what the type of the dinosaur's called, in the kitchen scene, really got to me. And also the original Jumanji film from the 90s. I don't know if any of you have seen it, but the bit when the bats all come out the fireplace and it all like goes everywhere. I wasn't expecting it and I think that stuck with me for a while. Well, for me, actually, it's quite a weird one. There was a Jim Henson version of Animal Farm and they had, it was all with like live action animals, but they put these puppet mouths on them and like they had like kind of maybe like water ducts on them so it looked like they had big sloppy mouths <laughs> and it was very very disconcerting and also Animal Farm is just a very quite a dark story to tell anyway and there was like a propaganda style film of like these chickens being executed it was a PG but I don't know it was just very very um and then it was terrible because anyone I told oh oh, I saw this terrible film and said oh no what was it called Animal Farm it just sounds so innocuous I <laughs> It's a very, like, if I could have said, oh, the the man with no head or something, I don't know, that would have sounded more impressive. But no, Animal Farm. So that's my one. I think my most memorable children's film that scared me when I was younger, I don't think it technically counts as a film, but I remember, like, having this Humpty Dumpty, like, it wasn't a film. I said, like, maybe, like, a music video. <laughs> but it was, like, it was on, like, Blu-ray. And I think watching, like, the egg fall and, like, break apart, it was so scary. And I think, I, to be fair, I think I must have been, like, five years old. Not that I didn't know how the song went. Like, I, I <laughs> like there was no spoilers for me. Like, I knew what was going to happen. It was just seeing, the, like, the egg crack and fall open. And now that I think of it, I've never liked eggs. So I do feel like... <laughs> I feel like there is a connection there. Like, I've never been a fan of eggs. I was, it was maybe because I watched this too young, but I was a really big fan of like the Studio Ghibli animation. I absolutely loved them. But Spirited Away, I watched it when I was like five or six. I mean, I loved it. I was a weird child. I loved it. But the creatures in that film, the sequences in that film, they're, they're very strange. But now, like, looking back as an adult, I look at it and I'm like, why were you scared of that? There's literally nothing in there. But as a child, I thought it was absolutely terrifying. Oh, that's so interesting, though. That's like, I don't know that he he found something that's sort of, I don't know, just there to needle away at and scare you. Wow. I don't think that I found Spirited Away scary, which for me is, I mean, I found everything scary. But I remember watching My Neighbour Totoro and there's this one scene where he turns into, like, 
like a big bus. The cat bus. Yes, yeah. The cat turns into the bus. And I don't think I was scared, but I was like, yeah, right, that's enough. Like, I'm done now. That that was <laughs> that was a bit too much yeah. for me. Very creeped up by that. For me, it was definitely the Toy Story 3 experience. Uh, it's just one of those memories that I've had there. Because uh, uh, when I was little, I, I got into film because of my dad, because it, he used to show me all the movies, uh, growing up and all the sorts of music. He, he, he was very good at introducing me to uh, movies and genres of movies. But I remember him taking me to the cinema and seeing Toy Story 3. I think that was just... I, I would like to describe it as traumatic, but no, it wasn't. I think it made, it made my movie-watching experience even better that I, that I remember it that well. You know, that specific furnace scene and that monkey there. Yeah, in films, um, I, I when I think back to what I used to watch when I was younger, I used to watch um, all your like Laurel and Hardy and Howard Lloyd episodes. Uh, this is going back a little bit into black and white, but um, there's one scene from um, a Howard Lloyd sh- short film uh, where he was hanging from a clock tower, and that that whole episode is is absolutely hilarious. And to think that they were filming that, you know, in the, in the early 1900s, I I found absolutely amazing how imaginative and just fun it was. And sort of touching on that point, are there any films that, as a child, you would want to go back and re-immerse yourself in for the first time again? For me, it was Cars. That was always the film I'd watch over and over and over and over again. So to watch it again for the first time would be amazing. For me, it would be Back to the Future, because when I was little, I was absolutely obsessed with Back to the Future. I'd love to watch Coraline for the first time again. I'd love to be able to, like, discover those twists for the first time again. I, like, I still enjoy watching it again now, but I would just love that experience of not knowing what's coming and kind of discovering it for the first time. I was going to possibly say Coraline as well, because I didn't actually watch it until when I was younger. So maybe if I could, I don't know, do an alternate timeline when I did, that'd be quite interesting. Put it put it back into the past and, and see what... I would be really interested to know what I would have made of it, because I always avoided it, because I, I just thought, oh, scary film. Yeah, so I think that would be what I'd do in this situation. I think, William, you've given me a new perspective on Toy Story 3. I think I don't I don't know that I really related with Andy's story because I didn't watch Toy Story until like I just waited until like basically all of them had come out and then I watched it all in one go. So I don't think I really related with Andy's like story of like him growing up. But I feel like I'm at that point where like going away and like moving away from home would probably probably be more apt and I feel like I could appreciate it a lot more. So yeah, I'd probably watch Toy Story 3 for the first time again. For me, I think it would have to be uh, Mary Poppins. Um particularly uh, the rooftop sequence. I just found them so magical um, as a kid. So obviously one of the key themes we talked about here is that different people can be scared of different things. So if you're inspired to watch any of these films or any other films, we definitely recommend, particularly with children, if you're going to watch the films, please check out the ratings info. They're on the website, they're on the app, they're readily available. You can just check them out really quickly. As always, if you have any questions or like to chat with us about the podcast, you can drop us a message on Twitter at BBFC. Instagram at BBFC underscore age ratings or on Facebook at British Border Film Classification. Alternatively, you can email us at podcast at bbfc.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening.